from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to Washington Watch. I trust you had a great Thanksgiving weekend. Glad you've tuned in on this Monday. Well, coming up, as you finish off the leftover turkey, well, we return to the lame duck, the lame duck section of Congress, which continues through the month of December. In fact, in about 30 minutes, the U.S. Senate is scheduled to vote on the Disrespect for Marriage Act. The Senate begins this week by picking up where we left off on the Respect for Marriage Act. As a reminder, this chamber voted 62 to 37 before Thanksgiving to move forward on this bill with 12 Republicans in favor. The Senate is scheduled to hold the next procedural vote later this afternoon. And in the meantime, both sides are continuing working together on an agreement to move this bill quickly through the chamber. That was Senate Democrat Leader Chuck Schumer earlier today. As we've discussed extensively on this program, this is a grave threat to religious freedom. This evening's vote is another procedural vote, as uh, Senator Schumer just said, that requires 60 votes, which means it can only pass if at least 10 Republicans support it. FRC and our team have been working with Senator Mike Lee of Utah over the last week to get Republican senators who were supporting this bad legislation to at least to at least protect religious freedom from the ill effects of this bill by supporting Senator Lee's religious freedom amendment. We'll have more on this a little bit later in the program. And in the wake of last week's shootings, President Biden wants to take aim once again at the Second Amendment. The idea we still allow semi-automatic weapons to be purchased is sick. Just sick. Can you do anything about gun laws during a lame duck, sir? I'm going to try. What will you try and do? I'm going to try to get rid of assault weapons. What will he try to do and will he succeed? We'll talk about that with Virginia Congressman Bob Good in just a moment. Also, I'll ask Congressman Good, who is a member of the House Education Committee, to weigh in on Dr. Fauci's comments yesterday on Face the Nation. Coming out of the holidays, should parents expect schools to shut down? I don't know, uh, uh, Margaret. I'm not sure. When, when you talk about shutting down schools, there's always the collateral That's also effects. radioactive. <laughs> exactly. There's always the collateral issues. Well, speaking of COVID. China's pursued a zero COVID strategy. Obviously, that is not our strategy. We don't think that's uh, realistic, uh, certainly not realistic for the American people. Our strategy has been build up immunity in the population by getting people vaccinated. That's how you manage an incredibly contagious uh, variant like Omicron. That was Dr. Ashish Jha on this week speaking to the historic civil unrest in China because of the continued lockdowns and draconian COVID policies. But is there more to this than uh, just COVID restrictions? And where might these protests lead? We're going to talk with Asian expert Gordon Chang a little later on this edition of Washington Watch. And finally, LGBTQ activists are calling on Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett to recuse herself from the upcoming case of a Christian web designer. The designer, Lori Smith, doesn't want to be forced by the state to design websites celebrating homosexuality and same-sex unions. This is extremely important for two reasons. Number one, this could very well become the norm if the Disrespect for Marriage Act is actually passed by the Senate. And two, this reveals the ultimate goal of the left, force Christians to check their faith at the door of the public square or the marketplace or simply stay out. Now, understand... What they are saying by this demand of Justice Barrett 
is that any worldview is valid, but a biblical worldview. Dr. Albert Moeller of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary joins me later for what I think will be a very insightful conversation. You won't want to miss that. And as I mentioned, we are back in the lame duck session of Congress, the period between the election and the new Congress being seated. Now, this is a very dangerous time of limited accountability. So I'm going to need your help defending what you and I believe in. So text the word duck to 67742. That's the word duck, D-U-C-K, to 67742. I'll send you a link. You follow that link, and uh, that way you can stay informed and engaged throughout this lame duck session of Congress, which, as I mentioned earlier, will go through the month of December. The word for today comes from Isaiah 10. It's verses 1 and 2. Woe to those who decree unrighteous decrees, who write misfortune, which they have prescribed, to rob the needy of justice and to take what is right from the poor of my people, that widows may be their prey and that they may rob the fatherless. God calls his people to defend the defenseless, the vulnerable who are often taken advantage of. God's solution to injustice is not a guaranteed minimum income. His solution is justice. We hear all the clamor today for social justice. Well, here's a newsflash. I agree that there is injustice, which has a greater negative impact upon those who are vulnerable. However, this is not an issue of social justice, but of moral injustice. What we see in this passage is that the rejection of God's truth makes justice elusive. Justice untethered to the unchanging standard of truth becomes dangerously arbitrary and only benefits those with the power. I invite you to join us on our journey through the Bible. You can find out more by going to TonyPerkins.com. Well, we've already seen with the radical left's push for the so-called Respect for Marriage Act that the Democrats plan to ram through in this lame duck session of Congress an attack on the First Amendment. Not content attacking the freedom of religion and the freedom of speech, they now have the Second Amendment in their crosshairs. How likely is their gun control effort to succeed, and what else should we be watching for in the next few weeks in this lame duck session of Congress? Joining me now to discuss this and more, Congressman Bob Good. He serves on the House Committee on Education and Labor and the House Budget Committee. He represents Virginia's 5th Congressional District. Congressman Good, welcome back to the program. Great to be with you, Tony. Thanks for having me again. So, Congressman, how serious is this threat to focus not only on the First Amendment that we see in the Senate in just a few moments with this disrespect for marriage act vote, but now the president saying he's going to go after guns in the lame duck session? Well, the Democrat Party never lets a crisis go to waste. And as you know, there's a relentless assault on the right of citizens to defend ourselves. There's a relentless assault on the Constitution and a relentless assault on the Second Amendment. Uh, whether the Democrats like it or not, and it seems like they don't like it, we do have a Constitution. We do have a Second Amendment. And the Second Amendment, which is the guarantor or the protector of all other rights, quite frankly, it's the canary in the mine shaft. Uh, I've heard others say before, but the Second Amendment, uh, it, it does, it simply says, shall not be infringed, and we should not have our rights as law-abiding citizens dependent upon the actions of those who break our laws. 
And the Constitution, as you know, by our founders was uh, designed with the ability for it to be changed, but it was difficult for it to be changed by design by re uh, for a reason. And so if the Democrats don't like what the Second Amendment says, and they don't, of course, then what they ought to do is try to change the Constitution. Good luck with that, uh, getting that through a majority of the states, the majority of the legislatures and in the, in, in the Congress as well. But uh, shall not be infringed, and we ought to stop trampling on the rights of law-abiding citizens to protect themselves and to enjoy their uh, self, uh, their, their, their rights as guaranteed to us in our Constitution to defend themselves. So, Congressman, we know going into this election that crime was a major concern of the American people. I mean, you cannot pick up a newspaper in any city in America and not read the headlines of of some shooting, some. Uh, some type of attack that has taken place. And so uh, there's no discussion, though, of the lawlessness that has given rise to this. In fact, uh, you and I have talked about this, where you've had over 100 attacks on care pregnancy centers, churches, and other pro-life organizations, and the Biden administration has done absolutely nothing about that. I, I think when you go back to 2020 and you see the lawlessness that has swept across this country, there's a sense that people want security, but I think there's this false sense of security that would come by taking away people's guns and ability to protect themselves. Yeah, it's already against the law to shoot people. It's already against the law to commit murder. And obviously these criminals who are doing these actions aren't going to be concerned about breaking gun laws in addition to the other laws that they're already breaking. And there's this selective outrage by the left. They don't care about police officers that are shot in the line of duty. They don't care about the crime in our inner cities, in our communities, our cities across the country where hundreds of people are shot every weekend in the United States. There's a selective outrage for political reasons uh, where, they, where they pick certain shootings that they're concerned about, and they use it just, again, as a tool to try to restrict the rights of law-abiding citizens to defend themselves. That's a God-given right, thankfully, in this country, enshrined in the Constitution. And we need to stand uh, firm in our in our willingness to defend that right, uh, because we, you know, it's essential to making our it's essential to remain to guarantee that we remain a free people. That's what the founders intended was that our right to defend ourselves, our right to be armed, was to ensure that we remain a free people. And it was a check on tyranny, as you know. Right, right. Not so much for turkeys, but tyranny. Uh, let me ask you this question, because, I mean, the House, I mean, the, you really don't have a chance to stop this in the lame duck section because it's dominated by the Democratic Party, uh, who, I mean, as you pointed out earlier, they're all about taking away guns from law-abiding citizens so that the criminals will basically have free reign, I assume. Let's talk about the Senate. Do you think they will, the Democrats would find 10 Republicans to go along with this? I would certainly hope not. But what we can do in the House, Tony, is stand united and give no Republican votes in this lame duck session for the very policies that we campaigned against and for the very policies for which uh, the voters across the country gave Republicans, you know, four or five million more votes than they gave Democrats, uh, the things that they wanted us to fight for. So we should stand united and not give one Republican vote for one more cent to fund a government that uh, doesn't secure our border, that imposes mandates, unconstitutional mandates for vaccine mandates upon its people, that doesn't, uh, that's, that continues a war on American energy, 
and that funds the very oppression, the very tyranny that we campaign against. So we can stand united in the House. And while your point is well made that we don't have the votes to block it in the House, what the, what the Democrats want to do, but it does put pressure on the Senate when no Republican in the House votes for these policies yeah. that the Senate can block, because, as you know, most of those policies, as you noted, have to be advanced with 60 votes. So I don't yeah, think that they'll have those votes in the Senate, but the, Re the Republicans in the House need to put pressure on them by giving not one single vote uh, on the House. That's an extremely important point, because uh, we were just talking about the Disrespect for Marriage Act, where 47 Republicans in the House voted for that measure, giving cover to the senators, the 12 that voted for this uh, just before the Thanksgiving break. So you're absolutely right. It's extremely important. I want to go now to the topic of uh, Dr. Fauci, comments he made yesterday. We're up against a break. I want to play this, quick, this clip that I played just a few moments ago, and then on the other side of the break, uh, we'll talk about it. Play clip number three. Coming out of the holidays, should parents expect schools to shut down? I don't know, uh, uh, Margaret. I'm not sure. When, when you talk about shutting down schools, there's always... The collateral That's also effects. radioactive. <laughs> it is, exactly. There's always the collateral issues. He's leaving at the end of the year, but is he messaging something that we may have to deal with next year by the Biden administration? Uh, I'll give you a quick comment on that. We're going to go out to the break and we'll come back and talk more about it. Incredible. The Democrats and the left hasn't learned from the harm they did to our children over these last two years. History will judge us harshly for how we sacrificed the welfare of our children for political reasons during the past couple of years. All right, Congressman Bob Good, we'll talk more about that on the other side of the break, as well as the Biden administration telling Chevron they can pump oil in Venezuela, and bring it back to the United States. Is this the dictator bailout program. We're going to talk about that next here on Washington Watch. And again, we're in the lame duck session of Congress and we need all hands on deck. We need your help. Text the word duck to 67742 so that you can stay informed and engaged in what is happening in this lame duck session of Congress. Don't go away. A lot more Washington Watch straight ahead. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. 
The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org slash worldview. Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. This is Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this Monday. Congressman Bob Good, our guest. He serves on the House Committee on Education, Labor, and the House Budget Committee. He represents Virginia's 5th Congressional District. So we were uh, discussing before the break, Congressman Good, the uh, the comments by uh, Dr. Fauci, Mr. Science, that, uh, you know, too early to tell, you know, we may need these lockdowns. Uh, obviously very, uh, very uh, tentative in his comments there because of the, the blowback that uh, this administration, he in particular, have received. But, I mean, we're going to talk in a moment with uh, Gordon Chang about what's happening in China. I mean, here you have people living under a communist dictatorship that have the courage to stand up and push back on the, this overreach and locking people down literally for months. I mean, have the American people learned anything from what we went through two years ago? Well, I sure hope so, Tony. Uh, we should never have uh, locked down or shut down our, our country, uh, our businesses, and certainly not our schools. We shouldn't have treated children like senior citizens or young people like those with multiple comorbidity factors. We should have never put masks on anybody. We should have never closed our schools and put teachers' unions and political interests ahead of our children. Our children have suffered irreparable harm, as you know, from two years of lost learning. There's no plan or no real solution to ever get that back. They will suffer from that for the rest of their lives, from the foundationally, academically. We know that the test scores are showing how far behind, how many years behind that we've, we've lost over these last couple of years. And But you, you and I warned, and others warned, Tony, this was a template for how they would respond to future, mm-hmm. future health challenges, future health crisis, viruses, or what have you, freedom is not given. Freedom is taken. We must take back our freedoms. We, as a people, must say never again. We will never allow this to happen again, and we will stand up and fight against this with every means that we have at our disposal to fight against this and not allow them to do this to us again. I agreed, and I think the American people have learned through this, and I don't think 
at least I think mostly in the South they're not going to be able to. Maybe some of the big cities they'll get away with it in these uh, blue cities, but I don't think they'll do it in most parts of America. Speaking of dictators, you know, the president had his American rescue plan. Now it appears he has his dictator rescue plan. You know, he's going over trying to get OPEC to give more oil uh, because of his policies, his failed energy policies here at home. And now the latest over the weekend, the Treasury Department announced it would allow Chevron uh, to resume limited natural resource extraction operations in Venezuela. What's going on here? Tony, you know, it's, we should have America first policy. They shouldn't be, that should be bipartisan. Of course, it shouldn't be partisan to want a secure border. It shouldn't be partisan to want to have low crime. It shouldn't be partisan to put your kids first in education. And it shouldn't be partisan to want to be independent from an energy standpoint of what this administration inherited two years ago. And here you see the fraud of the climate, environmental, energy extremism of the left and of the Democrat Party, uh, where they don't care about how dirty energy is produced around the globe. They just want to penalize reliable energy here at home. We're the cleanest large producer of energy. Our emission standards are stronger than they've ever been. We're producing energy more cleanly than we ever have. But this president declared war on American energy, declared war on reliable fossil fuels, and has this pipe dream that we're ever going to move to re- to renewables. That's never going to be the solution. God put hundreds of years of fossil fuel energy in the earth for us to harvest it. We need to do it. We need to do it here in America. And this is just Biden again with his America last policies and empowering and emboldening ruthless dictators around the globe at the expense of American national security. Yeah, this is dirty on multiple fronts. It's dirty in terms of its extraction and its impact upon the environment. But as you pointed out, Maduro's government, I mean, he's a dictator. And and so what this provides for are targeted sanction reliefs, relief based upon, this is according to the Department of Treasury, concrete steps taken by Maduro's regime to restore democracy in that country. That, that's a sham, What this is, is the president trying to make up for his failed energy policies here at home, looking everywhere he can and simply bolstering dictators when he could be doing it here at home, creating jobs. Absolutely. One of the things that we in the House Freedom Caucus have made contingent, we've sent letters to McConnell and McCarthy telling them both that we will not provide one vote to fund this government that continues to, again, not secure our border, to have vaccine mandates in place and doesn't return the, the energy policies that made us energy independent and made us strong from a national security standpoint, and economic security standpoint. It's unbelievable what this president has done. All he had to do to keep us American, energy independent, rather, was nothing because he inherited that from the previous administration. But he's beholden to the most radical elements of his party, who are the environmental climate extremists, and it's hurting the American people. It's hurting them from an inflationary standpoint. And again, it's hurting us from uh, even a climate standpoint because of the others around the world who don't don't produce energy as cleanly as we do, but it's also a national security issue to put us dependent on foreign nations who hate us for vital right. energy. And, and it hurts our allies. I mean, we could be exporting as we were under the last administration. We could be helping Europe with their shortage this winter when they're going to be hurting this winter. We could be providing natural gas to them. But yet we're now going around buying from dictators and bolstering regimes that oppose what we and our allies supposedly stand for. Yes, we should never be having to import energy or ask others to produce. We ought to be the the big exporter that we can be. Uh, We've got, again, these resources that we need to utilize, and we need to help our our allies with, with American energy and not make them beholden to Putin and others for vital energy. 
Congressman Bob Good, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, stopping in and joining us today. Great to be with you, Tony. Thanks again for having me. All right, Congressman Bob Good of Virginia. Folks, step back and just look at these policies from a logical standpoint. Does it make sense that we would go and buy oil, allow Chevron to go and extract oil, lifting these sanctions against Venezuela, a, con- a country that people are fleeing from because of the policies of this dictatorship? They're not going to use the best practices. They don't really care. They just want the money. Does it make sense? If you, if you care about the environment, does it make sense that we have these other countries that don't care about the environment? Does it make sense that we're bolstering regimes that are hostile to freedom when we could be, as was pointed out, as we were, energy independent? And, you know, states like my home state of Louisiana, Texas, Oklahoma, would all be creating jobs, North Dakota, creating jobs and keeping that revenue here and being energy independent, which is not only beneficial, as we've talked about, to the consumer, but it provides for national security. And in the meantime, I didn't even mention this, but we've been pumping down our strategic petroleum reserve, which is there for national security. These are policies being pushed forward by the Biden administration. Okay, when we come back, Gordon Chang joins us to give us an an update on what's happening in China and these protests. Don't go away. More Washington Watch ahead. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15-week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Good to have you with us on this Monday. 
the website, TonyPerkins.com. As we mentioned a few moments ago, protests erupted in China last week as hundreds of citizens hit the streets in several Chinese cities to air their frustrations over the Chinese Communist Party's zero-COVID policy and their ongoing and total lockdowns. The CCP has a long history of crushing any rebellion, and news reports indicate that such efforts have already begun. But in an era of smartphones, digital recording, and instant communications, could this represent a tipping point? How will the Communist Party deal with this? Joining me now to discuss this is China expert Gordon Chang, author of The Coming Collapse of China and The Great U.S.-China Tech War. You can follow him on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang. Gordon, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you so much, Tony. Okay, so let me ask you this. The first, in your view, are the CCP's zero-tolerance COVID policy, uh, is this here to stay forever? Um, maybe not forever, because that's a really, really long time. But um, for our lifetimes, yeah, it could very well be. Um, the Communist Party has a number of problems. It's lied to the Chinese people, it's lied to the world, and it's now boxed in. So, for instance, um, it doesn't have an effective way of stopping disease other than isolation. So it's gone to these incredible lengths to, for instance, weld people into their own apartments. And we've seen that with the tragic consequences on Thursday when that apartment burned in Urumuchi and firefighters couldn't get to the building because of COVID blockades on the streets and they couldn't get to people in their apartments because they've been uh, shut in. Um, I think that the Communist Party is using this to control people and it's not going to give up. So are, are you saying that part of this is that they don't have the capacity healthcare wise and the technology to care for an outbreak such as uh, COVID? Right. During this three years of the pandemic in China, they did not invest in ICU facilities. Um, so they can't just sort of let the wave uh, ride through it and get uh, herd immunity. What they did was they built quarantine facilities by the hundreds of thousands. And so um, those are not going to be helpful. Um, really, what we've seen in China is putting money in all the wrong things. Um, the other thing about this, Tony, which we often forget, is that the Communist Party, from the early months of the pandemic, tried to weaponize its handling of the disease by saying, look, the low numbers of infections and deaths in China prove the superiority of Chinese communism over American democracy. And so they can't allow any sort of herd immunity because that would raise the numbers and that would threaten Communist Party legitimacy. But science would tell us, Gordon, that if you don't reach that level of herd immunity, you're never going to get over the hump on this. Right. Uh, you're absolutely right, Tony. Um, but the party right now is stuck. And really, you know, it, it's fascinating. But over the last week or so, the Chinese people have been watching the World Cup in Qatar. And what they've been taking away is that uh, the Chinese, they say themselves, they're living on another planet because everybody else is running around the world maskless. They don't seem to be dying. And uh, the Chinese Communist Party is enforcing these draconian lockdown rules inside the country that don't seem to be working. And so the Chinese people right now are furious because they realize how counterproductive Communist Party policies are. And now, you know, the CCP is showing World Cup, but it's not showing the crowds in the stands. It's just showing the action on the field. 
How significant, Gordon Chang, are these protests that are breaking out all across China? Long term, I think they're extremely significant and could lead, I believe, to the downfall of the Communist Party. And the reason is that the party right now has lost support throughout society. As a famous China historian said, they've lost people's hearts. This is significant because in 1949, the communists were able to take over China against a superior Chiang Kai-shek and his nationalists because the nationalists had lost people's hearts. So, you know, I can't say that this month or next month the Communist Party will fall, but eventually it must because this is now a struggle between the people and the regime. And there are a lot more people uh, outside the regime than inside. We've seen how this ended in Hong Kong, the brutal suppression of the people. Should we expect to see the same uh, happen there in the homeland of China? Yes, um, absolutely. Um, but, you know, the struggle in Hong Kong is not over. And the pe people in Hong Kong are still um, showing their defiance. Then um, many of them are just leaving. But nonetheless, we are seeing that people are not putting up with Communist Party rule, whether we're talking Hong Kong or whether we're talking mainland China. So very quickly, could we see kind of a, a flare up again in Hong Kong as a result of what's happening in the mainland of China? We've seen flare-ups in Hong Kong in 2003, 2014, 2019. So we can see flare-ups there again, and we certainly are going to see flare-ups in the mainland because um, the Communist Party is not letting up, and the Chinese people have no place to go. So um, as we um, heard those chants over the weekend, um, they will not accept Communist Party rule. They can be intimidated, they can be coerced, but once they see an opening, they go for it. Very interesting. We're going to keep our eye very closely on this because I think it's very, very significant what's developing there. Gordon Chang, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. Thank you, Tony. All right, folks, very significant. I think it's very significant because if, if China, which is an instigator and influencer of many other dictators and other regimes around the world, if they teeter, that sends a huge message. Okay, don't go anywhere. On the other side of the break, Dr. Al Mohler of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary joins me to discuss the demands by some that Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett step down from a case involving religious freedom. But first, we're going to get an update on the Disrespect for Marriage Act. So don't go away. That's next. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com.
With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. This is Washington Watch. I am Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And again, we are now back in the lame duck session of Congress. That is the period of time that runs from the election until the new Congress is seated on January the 3rd. It's a very dangerous time. doesn't happen often when you have a change of parties. For instance, in the House, the Republicans will take control now with 220 seats, possibly a couple more, still a couple of uh, elections yet to be called uh, in California. But nonetheless, as one party is leaving, they often will try to push things through, especially when it's the party of the president. And so this makes for a very dangerous time. And you need we need your help. We need your help to be informed and be engaged. In fact, in just a few moments, they're going to be voting on this so-called Respect for Marriage Act, which is an attack on religious freedom. We're going to talk about that with Dr. Moeller here in just a moment. But first, text the word duck, D-U-C-K, to 67742. You'll get a link. Follow the link over. That way you can stay abreast of what is happening over the next four weeks during the month of December, and you'll know what to do so we can protect faith, family, and freedom. All right, before I go to Dr. Moeller, I want to bring in Travis Weber, who is the Vice President of Policy and Government Affairs here at the Family Research Council, to give us a quick update on the dis- Disrespect for Marriage Act that the Senate is poised to vote on another procedural um, measure this evening. Travis, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you, Tony. All right, so what's the latest? Yeah, so they're actually starting to vote right now in the Senate. Voting's underway on the motion to proceed uh, to the substitute amendment. This is the text of the Respect for Marriage Act that has been uh, amended with the the Lee Collins Baldwin 
religious liberty fix or supposed fix, you know, the language that we're told fixes religious liberty, it really doesn't. It undermines it. Senator Lee's men would fix it. But this text is being voted on now. That'll set off a period of uh, debate up to 30 hours, depending on um, how much negotiation happens to limit that time and possible other amendment votes, after which there will be another cloture vote requiring 60 votes to pass on the, uh, the final text, uh, which could be the, the Collins-Baldwin text or something else, after which there will be a final passage vote requiring 50 votes. So tonight's vote and then the next cloture vote, we have two more opportunities to convince these senators that what they're voting on is a threat to religious liberty right now. And they need to see that. They can do that by going to frcaction.org slash call. We have the information there to call those senators that, that, that uh, need to hear from you out there if you're in those states uh, listed at frcaction.org slash call. And Senator Mike Lee of Utah has asked his Republican colleagues, the, the 12 that voted for this, not to do so until there's a vote on his amendment, which does, as you talk, as you mentioned, does fix as best as possible the concerns over religious freedom that um, are, are poised by this uh, bill. Uh, so those senators, in particular, we have Senator uh, Senator um, uh, let's see, we've got Indiana Senator Young. We have uh, Wyoming Senator Loomis. We have um, Senator uh, Sullivan from Alaska are, the, in particular, the ones that we're looking at. Senator Roy Blunt, Richard Burr of North Carolina, Tom Tillis of North Carolina, uh, Mitt Romney. Uh, I think that's probably a lost cause, as is Rob Portman and Lisa Murkowski. But Todd Young, Cynthia Cynthia Loomis, uh, Joni Ernst, Susan Collins, and uh, Shelley uh, Capito. Uh, those are ones that you need to contact. Anyway, as Travis pointed out, go to frcaction.org, and you can uh, find the contact information there. Travis, thanks so much for, uh, for joining us today. We'll obviously keep uh, our close eye on this as it develops this evening. Thank you, Tony. All right. This is my concern over... Well, one of my concerns over the so-called Respect for Marriage Act is that it's going to set in place what is actually unfolding right now. There is a group of LGBTQ activists that are demanding that Justice Anthony, uh, Justice Amy Coney Barrett recuse herself from an upcoming Supreme Court case on free speech and LGBTQ issues because of her Christian faith, that her worldview is rooted in the Bible. Now, what this is communicating is that someone that has a biblical worldview is disqualified from public service. So either you have to check your faith, your biblical faith at the door of public service or the marketplace, or you just have to stay out. That's essentially what's being communicated here. Joining me now to talk about this and the impact that this could have on Christians all across America is Dr. Al Moeller. He is the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kentucky. Dr. Moeller, welcome back to Washington Watch. Tony, glad to be back with you. And uh, wow, is there a lot to talk about? There is. Let me just jump right into this. What do you make of this claim that Justice Barrett cannot rule with impartiality on this Colorado web designer case because she is a Christian. 
Yeah, you know, you mentioned uh, the co- the complaints made against her because she holds to a, a Christian worldview uh, understanding of, say, human sexuality and gender, and for that matter, an entire range of issues. The uh, the accusations against her actually also includes the fact that she is a member of a religious community that holds to these convictions and thus has discriminated against LGBTQ people. So you see the logic of that. By the way, they, they mean the group that she's been a part of known as the People of Praise, but that's a subset of the Roman Catholic Church. And, and by the way, the Roman Catholic Church, any Roman Catholic who believes in Roman Catholic teaching and is a member of the Roman Catholic Church would be disqualified by their logic. The Roman Catholic Church discriminates uh, on this basis because it still at least holds to a deposit of biblical truth uh, when it comes to the uh, the ordering of marriage and sex and gender. And, and of course, an evangelical, uh, someone who is a, a Southern Baptist, uh, so, someone who's a PCA elder, uh, you can see exactly what they're doing. They're coming for us. They're saying, you don't have a place in this society, much less a seat on the Supreme Court. And this... Respect for Marriage Act will, I think, just be a green light to those that would want to make these claims against any Christian holding any, not just a public office, but wanting to work at a police department, a fireman, or any place else. You know, I want to say to those 12 Republicans, you just understand what you're doing, and I'm afraid they do. Here's what you're doing. You're making the case weaker against uh uh, religious liberty. You are making the case against Christians stronger in, in terms of the political power of those who can say, look, this is now a bipartisan agreement. Those who are uh, are not ready to celebrate same-sex marriage and the entire array of issues, you're woefully out of step. You, you, you deserve to be censured. You should be canceled. Uh, and, and even as they say, that's not what this bill is about. If you have to say that's not what this bill is about, guess what? That's what this bill is about. Yeah, we've seen this. I mean, we've had seven years to see the effects of this. Now, if this is codified into federal law, uh, we know that this will be a license to, to, as you said, coming for Christians. But look, I think what we see here very clearly is that if you have a biblical worldview, that means if you think the Bible gives guidance to life, human sexuality, marriage, whatever, that you are automatically disqualified. You have to check that at the, not just government service, but this case with this web designer, uh, Lori, out of uh, Colorado, you are disqualified from the marketplace as well, which is completely opposite of what Scripture tells us, that whatever we do, we do all for the glory of God. That's right. And, you know, Tony, to be a Christian is to hold to a Christian worldview or to be unfaithful. I mean, that's really it. A Christian worldview is not an option for Christians. It just means what the Bible teaches, what Christians believe, and uh, what Christians are to hold to and apply publicly and privately in every dimension of life. And so you're exactly right. This is an effort to try to marginalize Christians and, and those who believe in any kind of biblical ordering of marriage and sexuality. And, you know, they come back with assurances saying, we're not going to try to force any church to perform a same-sex ceremony. That's never been on the table. What they're going to do is make it very difficult for a Christian baker, a wedding photographer, a Christian in business, or for a Christian institution like a Christian school, Christian college, Christian seminary. They make it very difficult for us to hold the biblical convictions without uh, the public authorities coming after us. Right. They point to the pulpit saying, well, we're not going to force you to do same-sex marriage. We're not going to force you what you can preach and teach. That's not the issue. It's the people in the pew that won't be able to live out what is taught from the pulpit from the Word of God. 
Yeah, and it's also the threat against Christian institutions, uh, whether they be Christian children's ministries or right. more importantly, I think, Christian uh, Christian schools, uh, K through 12, and uh, Christian colleges and higher educational institutions where they're going to say, you know, if you hold views contrary to the mainstream of American society, then we have the right to remove your IRS 501c3 tax-exempt status. And, and, you know, that's a form of overt discrimination. Well, not only would it be the tax exemption, which has been discussed and was actually given testimony to before the Supreme Court that that would be an issue by the Solicitor General, and you've talked about that, but also what about accreditation? Uh, These institutions could lose their accreditation, which would cause students to look elsewhere. Yeah, that would certainly be an issue of of, uh, that would require a fight uh, because uh, accreditation is supposed to respect across the board uh, the religious beliefs of religiously chartered institutions. But, Tony, you're exactly right. You know, that's only so good as the government behind our constitutional order saying uh, we're going to require accrediting agencies to honor that religious liberty. This is a concerted effort. You know, this is the amazing thing. Christians are often just asleep at the wheel on these issues. The other side knows exactly what it's doing. And uh, this is a week in which so many of their hopes and dreams are coming to fulfillment, sadly, with the complicity of a good number of Republicans who dare to call themselves conservative. Well, and Christian, too. And Um, Christian. Dr. Moeller, let me ask you this question. We've seen this progression. We've seen this trend. So how should Christians live in this world? See, I, I think that just like what we're seeing in China in under the repressive regime of the Communist Party, they're saying enough is enough and they're standing up. And I just had Gordon Chang on my program who said he thinks this could be a tipping point uh, for the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, there's enough of us in this country if we refuse, if we simply live out our faith as we are instructed to do so. There's not enough. There's not enough of them to take us. No, right now, that's certainly true. And and yet, you know, it's amazing to make your point how many Christians just think all this is somehow going to work out. And, uh, you know, this is one of the problems we face right now. A lot of Christians don't understand the peril of our current political situation, don't understand that uh, there are those who uh, would, would use the mechanisms of the federal government basically to run roughshod over Christian conviction. And, you know, again, they're going to come back and say, you know, we're not trying to shut your church. Well, you know, that's rather impossible for them, at least under our constitutional order. But they are going to to shut down Christian ministries, Christian schools, uh, Christians in the workplace, as you have pointed out. And uh, this is just something that uh, the Christians have better wake up to, because this is not something out there now in the future. This is something, as your reporter just indicated, being voted on right now in the United States Senate. All right, I'm going to, this is not a cliche. I'm not asking you this from a standpoint of, you know, a a bracelet on your wrist. But, you know, people are saying, well, you know what? I mean, we just need to, we just need, we don't need conflict. We just need to get along and and God's going to take care of this. He's in control. What would Jesus do? How would he react? How would he have us react in this moment in time? Well, that the one of the limitations of asking that question is that uh, we can't. Uh, transport Jesus into the 21st century in American citizenship and wonder how Jesus uh, would, would would vote uh, on matters of tax policy or uh, on matters of uh, immigration or any number of other policies in which, you know, quite frankly, uh, 
the reality is Jesus told us to be salt and light. In the Sermon on the Mount, he said that we are to be agents of salt and light, preserving that which is good. And uh, that certainly must mean exercising our Christian citizenship. It does mean that because we honor Christ, we follow Christ's example in giving no ultimate allegiance uh, to the government. But uh, that's quite different than those who suggest that we're supposed to just uh, be sweet and allow the entire civilization to crumble around us. And, and, you know, Tony, you know church history well enough to know there have been really bad arguments made throughout Christian history. And Christians have rarely had to repent of taking too much responsibility uh, for the culture. They have had to repent for taking too little uh, responsibility. Just ask those with the rise of Nazi Germany whether the church was too active or too inactive. You know, Paul, as he was talking about what people would purchase in the marketplace, if he says, you know, whether you eat or drink, do all unto the glory of God, should we not be concerned how we conduct ourselves and how we vote, the policies we embrace, and how we live out our lives each and every day? If, if, if food and drink matter that much to God, then how we conduct right. ourselves in the workplace and how we express our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I would think that matters as well. Well, you have to be right. Just think of the biblical admonition, the scariest one of all to me, is that we'll give an answer to God for every idle word. Now, if we're going to give an answer to God for every idle word, then how much more will we have to give an answer for every active vote? And uh, and, and and for that matter, a failure to vote uh, where Christian conviction can make the difference. Uh, we are in very strange times, and we're hearing extremely strange arguments. And I'm very sad that some of those arguments are coming from those identified within Christianity. And uh, some of them are very subtle, and yet they're also very subversive. And uh, I hope Christians have the maturity to recognize that. Dr. Al Mohler, we're out of time, unfortunately, because I always enjoy talking with you, and I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Tony, and thank you for pressing the case. Uh, We need to press on. Absolutely. We will continue to stand. Folks, I want to encourage you to pray, to contact your senators, to stand for the truth. We know what is right. We know what is true. We need to have the courage to stand for it. I leave you with these words of the Apostle Paul. He says, when you've done everything that you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, I think these words apply so directly to us. We have to continue to stand. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 